What's up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Hope you guys are doing super well today. It is currently December 15th, Wednesday, or day late on this episode, but we had some trouble figuring out our schedules yesterday, and so it just so happened that we had to record today, but hopefully it doesn't really mess anybody up in terms of, you know, getting their information from us and us first. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, how, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, we're, yeah, we're, we're, we're bringing you to, we're bringing you to content that you're not hearing anywhere else. That is for sure. So we're, we're ready to jump in. We got another two pods coming at you this week. Uh, I'll probably be doing a solo one later in the week, maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday, depending on, uh, depending on when I'm free going to the Packers game on Sunday, Packers Ravens. That'll be, that'll be really awesome. Uh, so, so yeah, so just, just overall some good vibes going into the, uh, the week before Christmas here. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully everybody's getting in the Christmas spirit. I, I love Christmas personally myself. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people are uh, getting a little holiday spirit. Of course, if you don't celebrate Christmas holiday spirit, you know, that's, that, that's the, that's the proper term here. So moving right along here to get started with our sports talk, we've got NFL first as always. So our first topic here is I mentioned last week that we're all tired by now of the chiefs winning and dominating every opponent they face. And we were kind of free from that earlier in the season when they started out three and four, everybody was flipping out because everybody was asking, Oh, what happened to the chiefs? You know, what's happened to Patrick Mahomes, whatever. But over the past six weeks, I think they're six and oh over the, well, yeah, they're six and zero since since that three and four start, I think. And so we've kind of just been tasting that same Chiefs domination, and it got a little too bitter this past week with their forty, what was it, like forty eight to nine win over the Raiders. And again, like that was just classic Patrick Mahomes, classic Chiefs. You know, they get the ball and they score, and then when they give the ball to the Raiders, the Raiders can't do anything so basically what i'm trying to get at here is you know with how bad the afc already is and how good that you know we're seeing the chiefs getting and how we're seeing them pick up speed basically while the rest of the afc is kind of just a crapshoot you know are are we gonna see the chiefs just roll over everybody yet again and and cruise their way to a a third consecutive super bowl or are we gonna see them kind of fall off a little bit like they did at the beginning of the season And I'm going to hand it over to Matt here, but I I just kind of want to, I guess, start this discussion off with the fact that they are getting better. And again, they may not roll over opponents and they they may have, you know, some troubles getting there. But I just want to say that they are getting a lot better. Their defense is looking a lot better. And so I'm going to hand it over to Matt here kind of just to, to start us off. Yeah, I think that's the story of what's been going on is their defense. Their defense has significantly improved. Uh, They've allowed like 10 points per game over the last, I think, during their six-game win streak, uh, which is crazy. I mean, for any team, allowing 10 points during a six-game stretch is really great. And then you you think about on top of that, that it's the Chiefs offense. Like, I mean, of course, yeah, they're going to be winning a lot of games here. So that has really been the, the significant improvement that we've seen. And a little bit of the whole, you know, people were saying, oh, Patrick Mahomes, like, you know, he's looking a little he's looking a little shaky here 
again, I think that was, and we did talk about this a while ago. Like, I think that was very clearly a product of the fact that he knew that the defense wasn't playing too well. And so he kind of, he just kind of put it all on himself and was like, I have to be better. I have to do all these things over and above of what I normally do. And I think he was just trying a little bit too hard. He was, he was throwing interceptions. He was throwing balls that normally he probably wouldn't have thrown because in those types of situations, that's, that's when you trust your defense to get stops on the other side. He'll get the ball back. It'll all be fine. At some point in the game, Tyreek Hill will be wide open on the field for a 75 yard touchdown. And, uh, and, and that's kind of how they've been rolling for the last couple of years here. But really, I think behind the scenes, a lot of people were saying, oh, my gosh, yeah, like Patrick Holmes is struggling and, 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 and the Chiefs defense has not been playing well. Well, the Chiefs defense actually didn't even have their two best players, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who, who are their best pass rushers. Um, and I would say overall best best uh, players on the defense, just in terms of kind of affecting a game. And, and so they didn't have them for the first like five or six games of the season or, or at least kind of once they started to, to be on that kind of losing streak. Uh, thing there and so when you don't have your two most impacted you know impactful defensive players especially pass rushers because we all know that a defense is only as good as the pass rushers if you can't get you know if you can't get pressure on the quarterback and 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 kind of overtake an offensive line at some point in the game like you're not going to have success defensively and so with those guys out it was really tough for them. Those guys came back. They've won six in a row, right? And so I think that was an under-talked about point, which, and, you know, me and Hayden kind of missed it too, which is like, if you're missing such impactful players, you're, you're clearly, you're not going to be yourself on defense. And 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 it's not going to be, and, and we weren't expecting such a steep drop-off, but it was like that drop-off happened because they were missing these great players. So so that's, I think, kind of where everything has has sort of clicked back for the Chiefs now. And, and we see them kind of taking over what they've been doing for the past two years in terms of, you know, leading the AFC West and 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 really vying for that number one seed in the playoffs. To answer Hayden's question, question directly, I really do think that they're about to roll over the rest of the AFC. I mean, it's seriously, it's like, what what now would we say makes them not able to run through the AFC? I mean, think about it. Like, we've talked about all year long about how the AFC is kind of just not, the, 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 the talent hasn't been there. They don't have great wins. The teams that look great end up losing uh, to bad teams. And it's just kind of a, you know, it's just kind of a, a, a merry-go-round of, of loserville uh, here, here in the AFC. And, and really over the past, you know, the past six or seven weeks, the only two solid teams really have been the Patriots and the Chiefs. And, and as much as we have really praised Mac Jones and he's done a great job and obviously Bill Belichick is running that system down there, they are not going to get to the Super Bowl and they're not going to win a Super Bowl with Mac Jones in his rookie year. If they do, I, I don't even know what to say. You know, bring Bill Belichick to the to the Hall of Fame right now, and 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 he can retire and, and go off and die in heaven alone. But uh, but I think that right, it's like there's really not that great of competition in the AFC. And so as much as we think that, oh, the AFC as a whole is really not that great this year, you think about two teams who have been playing really well recently and, and you know, if we're not going to really include the Patriots in there. Again, I don't want to write them off, but I just think that it's really tough to, to, to see them winning, uh, you know, winning that many playoff games and, and with, you know, with Mac Jones in his rookie year. The only other team that we have is the Chiefs, right? And so they're, I think, probably at this point, the, the best option for the AFC in terms of a team that's really solid, who's been playing well, who clearly right has the experience that, that Hayden mentioned. They've been to the Super Bowl the past two years, uh, you know, won one and lost one. So, so yeah, so I think that's kind of the narrative that we have going here is like, 
it's it's not obviously you know we, we've seen the Chiefs be so good and, and and that they've lived up to all the hype and expectations. They suffered a little bit at the beginning of the season, but I think there's a valid explanation for why they weren't that great to begin the season. And and now that they're on a roll here, clearly they have played a lot of easy teams, and the Patriots are kind of in that same boat where they've just had a really nice schedule alignment in terms of playing easy teams and, and getting those wins as they're supposed to. But I mean, t- blowing teams out like 48 to nine is not something that a normal team is doing on a daily basis out here. And so that is really, I think, the Chiefs showing through that, hey, they still are the class of the AFC. They got their defense right there. They're, they're back and they're making a run. Um, and, and I do think that they're, you know, they're the best team in the AFC right now and, and probably the favorites to get to the Super Bowl. And I think it's deserving, right? I mean, they, they didn't lose anybody, really. They're still a really solid team. And I think that they they should be thought of as the best team in the AFC because they deserve how, how well they've been able to come together and kind of rally after that shaky start to the season. Yeah, of course. And just to kind of add to to what Matt was saying about their defense, like I, you know, like I kind of preluded with their defense obviously has gotten Frank Clark and, and Chris Jones back. And so they're, they're back on track. And, you know, when they've like in the past couple of years, especially in um, their, their first year in the Super Bowl when they like, when they just absolutely went off, they, their defense was one of the, I think it, it probably was the best in the league um, last year. I mean, we saw the Tampa Bay defense was, you know, unanimously the, the 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 best defense in the league and that showed on you know Super Bowl night but yeah I think that you know now that they have those guys back they haven't really changed their defense up as much really or at all I, maybe I don't know since, since since that first Super Bowl appearance and so yeah I mean they they're back on track and it was it was interesting to see because in the post-game interview with with Patrick Mahomes I don't remember who was doing it but it was just one of those interviews on the field where, you know, somebody pulls them aside and kind of just asks them about the game and, and, and their future and ever and everything. And so one of the questions that the interviewer asked was, you know, are the, are the chiefs back? Like is, did this game solidify the chiefs being back and, you know, Patrick Mahomes being back and the whole chiefs offense, basically just being the chiefs again and Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's, he's not like a cocky guy, you know, he's, he's really humble. He's, he's just your prototype, like good quarter, you know, good guy quarterback who just goes out on the field and performs and doesn't, re- you know, has a bunch of commercials that he's on, but doesn't really, you know, doesn't get into a lot of outside beef and everything like that. And so his response to that was pretty much, yeah, I mean, our offense has been what, what it's been, but I think that he he may have wanted to say something about the defense and about and like Matt said about how you know maybe he has had to make up for the defense in certain situations earlier in the season, but now he doesn't have to do that. And obviously he's not going to say that in you know in an interview and throw his defense under the bus because that's I mean you don't do that as as a quarterback or any player for that matter. But yeah, I think that you know he was that was probably going through his mind was like okay, well yeah, now I have a defense and now I you know I don't feel like I have to go out there and make a superstar play every time. But again, yeah, he kind of just said to the reporter, "Oh yeah, well I mean our, our offense has been what it's been, but we still have work to do." Blah blah blah. You know, it was, it was just the kind of you know the the, the typical answer that uh, a player or a coach gives after the game in terms of you know where their team is headed because they can't say, "Oh well you know we're gonna." it's looking like we're going to make the Super Bowl now, you know, because what if they don't make the Super Bowl, then that's just a, you know, a crappy prediction. And so, yeah, he kind of just gave the, the typical answer and kind of like the modest answer. But I think that he was, he was probably wanting to give, you know, you know, more of a, um, more of, more of an honest answer, but he couldn't. So that was just kind of inter- interesting to see. 
Now, moving on to our second topic of the day, and Matt has the these stats here, so I'm going to let him um, kind of take over. Yeah, just just some crazy stats from the weekend for for both the weekend and the kind of season long as we've gone along here, um, and just kind of cool things to point out because obviously, as we've talked about. A lot of the, a lot of the, there, there hasn't been too many teams who have just kind of, you know, shown their, their skills above the rest and really taken control of the narrative when it comes to talking about the best teams in the NFL so far. Um, and so just, just some cool stats here for, for a couple teams. So the Rams, obviously we saw them, you know, kind of have a pretty big uh, upset win over the Cardinals on Monday night. Um, during the game, they shared a stat that was, I think under, under, uh, under Sean McVay, the Rams are like, 25 and one or 25 and two or something like that, or, or maybe even more wins than that um, when they're leading at halftime in games. And obviously they were up 13 to 10 going into the halftime of, of that game. And, and they pulled out a pretty convincing win. So that was, that was a pretty cool thing that I saw. And I think that, you know, it, it really speaks to how well he's able to kind of game plan and, and, and run the team. But on the flip side of that, we see, I think, and, and I'm not going to get this stat right, but you know, if you, if you, if you have ever seen it, you know what I'm talking about is like, I think in, in like in weeks one through eight or weeks one through nine, the Rams um, under Sean McVay are like have a crazy good winning percentage. And then basically from weeks 10 to 17. So pretty much the back half of the season uh, they, they have a pretty significant losing record. And so they've always been making the playoffs and obviously they had that Super Bowl run, but it's almost, it's almost interesting how he's able to really game plan and, and, and when they're ahead in a game, really keep that lead and, and play well. But interestingly enough, when we look at it, you know, look at, it across the season, um, it, it seems like they start out really well and they don't finish too well. So I don't really know what that means in terms of, you know, the, the, the success or lack thereof with, when it comes to Sean McVay, I'm not really even trying to make too much of a, of a crazy point here. I just kind of thought that was interesting how it's, how it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit of, of both sides kind of get the positive and the negative there with, with Sean McVay and the Rams. And then the Vikings, um, this has been, I mean, a stat that's kind of been thrown around a lot too is, Every in every single game, except for the Lions game, the one that they lost, uh, they were leading the game at some point by seven or more points every single game. Right. And, and, the, and the team is they're what they're they're six and seven, I think. Um, and so they have they have seven losses and it's like but they were winning all of those seven lot. Well, all of those seven losses, except for one against the against the Lions, they were winning the game by at least seven points. And again, this includes like, you know, getting the opening kickoff and, and taking, you know, that making that drive a touchdown there by seven points. But still, it's like we just talked about how successful Sean McVay is when when they have a lead um, and, and the Vikings have just kind of not been able to do it. And then the second probably even more crazy stat uh, is the fact that including their Thursday night win over the Steelers, if they had not allowed any points in the last two minutes of either half of every game. Now that's a little bit confusing. Let me say it again. So if they had not, if their defense had not allowed any points in the last two minutes of the first half and the last two minutes of the second half in every single game that they've played this season, they'd be undefeated. They would be undefeated. Like how crazy is that? Like just to think like the Vikings, right? Like we keep seeing them as like this team who just chokes away leads and they're always in these close games. But like to think that, you know, if they were just a little bit more clutch in those last seconds, not even being undefeated, because obviously, right, you're going to you're going to in most circumstances, uh, you know, allow some points in the last two minutes of either half there. 
but like seriously it's it's really interesting to think that like they could actually have a really really great team but they just kind of aren't able to game manage very well so far this season uh next up is the bills who we all kind of saw this go go ahead on sunday uh when they were playing the bucks and and they didn't have a where they didn't have a single run by a running back in the entire first half of the game and they ended up being down at the half 24-3 they started running the ball a little bit more in the second half and and hey they came back and sent it to overtime um and so that that was just pretty interesting there's not really even much to say about that besides like the bills are clearly a passing team and i think that we could even make kind of this its own topic is that like if they're really this committed to the passing game and having josh island josh island really lead their team and be their entire team i totally get that obviously he's good enough to do stuff like that but at the same time it's like if you're going to be playing for a number one seed here and wanting a bunch of home playoff games but you play in buffalo in the winter when the playoffs are like if there's a snow game, your entire game plan is out the window. If you can't really run. And we saw that, you know, basically work to work to the Patriots advantage when they played on Monday night. And, and obviously, you know, it was like exactly contrasting styles as Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots only threw the ball three times. So it was like that, that was really kind of where you're thinking, all right, well, it, it, I get it. Josh Allen's a great player. He can really lead your team, but are we really trying to do that? If your home playoff games are going to be in Buffalo. And if you're trying to make a super bowl, you kind of need a run game to some extent. So we'll see how that plays out down the road here the bills i mean hopefully they have some pretty easy games coming up so so hopefully they can even make the playoffs because they're kind of on the uh kind of on the chopping block as of um as of kind of recently here um and then just another stat that i found interesting um so tampa obviously we just talked about the bucks um dallas cowboys cleveland browns and san francisco 49ers all were um what does it say it's uh they they combined so all four of those teams combined to score nine points like nine points among all of those four teams combined in the in the second half of uh of all of their games on sunday and all of them still won the game which is really kind of points out how 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 many blowouts there were and, and a lot of those games right kind of got good near the end but um but this was just kind of a weird week in, in the nfl with all these blowouts and stuff so um kind of going off of that the question here is like is this randomness with stats and, and, and blowouts and teams not running the ball or, or teams that have a lead at halftime, but you know, or the teams that, you know, like the Minnesota Vikings could be undefeated. Is this randomness good for the NFL in terms of viewership ratings and interest for the rest of the season? Yeah. So I think I'm just going to start out here with um, talking about how, you know, the, the league has changed over time and it's pretty obvious that the NFL has become more of a passing league and is currently much more of a passing league than a, than, you know, than, than a, a running league. And we see this with teams, you know, there's, there are run first teams in the NFL that like last year, you know, the, the, the Ravens, they were a run first team with whoever was in the backfield this, this year, their backfield has been, has been pretty beat up. And so they haven't really been able to have a consistent running game other than with Lamar, but Last year, I mean, yeah, we like you, you saw the Ravens and you thought, okay, well, they have Lamar Jackson, so they're probably going to, you know, most of their plays are probably going to be passing plays, and then he could just choose to run if he wants. No, they were a run-first team a lot of the time. And, like, this year, the Browns are, are a run-first team, and but they can't really get – you know, they can't really figure out their run game because teams know that they can only run and Baker Mayfield can't really pass the ball downfield. And so that's kind of gotten them in a little pickle – but teams that are, you know, pass first teams like the Bills, yes, they can get slowed down by weather conditions and everything like that. But like in terms of, you know, defenses being able to stop the pass, a pass for only offense or a pass first offense, we haven't really seen that 
in the NFL yet. And I feel like that's, you know, we're, we're, we've, we've already made the transition from being, you know, a run first league to, to a pass first league. But I think that defenses still aren't really used to that. Like defense as a defensive coordinator, even, even if I was a defensive coordinator in the NFL, I would still think, okay, teams are probably going to run, you know, 60, 65, 70% of the the time on first down, but that's really not the case. Like if, I mean, maybe not, like maybe I'm wrong, but if you, I don't know, I don't have the stat right now, but if, if you went up and, you know, looked up the stack on, on Google, you'd probably see that it's less than about 70% of the time that, that teams run on first down. So again, yeah, we're, we're in a passing league right now and and the league has developed over time, you know, so much. And so I think kind of just, you know, getting to, getting to an answer for Matt's question. I don't really think, you know, it's random. Like the, these stats are, are random and they kind of, you know, they, they come from all over the league. You know, Matt talked about the, the bucks, the Vikings or the, or the Niners, whatever, like those are, you know, random teams. Right. And they all bunch together to, to make one stat, but it's like, I don't think these stats are really random. I think it's just a, a product of, again, the league changing and, and guys, you know, guys getting faster momentum is, is, is a huge factor. Now, I don't think that was really a factor a long time ago, you know, when stadiums weren't as big and, um, you know, there weren't as many fans screaming the whole game. And so like, we've seen that, I mean, this year home field advantage hasn't been that, hasn't been that big, but in the past, you know, like when the Seahawks had that Legion of boom team, whenever you went to the Seahawks stadium, everybody like, no matter who you were, you were expected to lose because they had the 12th man and, you know, their, their stadium was so loud and all that. And now it's Arrowhead, you know, we see whenever teams play at Arrowhead, you can barely even hear the announcers because Arrowhead stadium is so loud whenever they play there. And so I think it's, I think it's a combination of, yeah, like the stadiums getting bigger fans, getting louder, you know, momentum being a, a, a bigger part. And also, you know, the idea that the, the NFL is becoming a passing league. I think just a combination of those two things is kind of making these stats come to fruition. But, but then again, like, you know, these, the stats that Matt put out, like they're, except for the Sean McVay one, because that one you can kind of find, you can kind of derive something from that and and make meaning of it. But I think the other stats that Matt gave, they're cool to have and they're cool to know, but some of these stats that, you know, they come up with on TV it, it does attract viewers because it's, it's cool to know, but I, I don't think that it really has much meaning towards the NFL. That's, you know, that, I don't know that that's kind of just a product of me thinking that they're too random, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that, I think that a lot of the stats that Matt gave off and I'm not saying that they're bad stats. I'm just saying like, they don't really have much meaning towards, towards the NFL as a league. Yeah. I totally see what you're saying. And, that, and that's kind of what I was getting at is like, I feel like, I feel like everybody's talking about all oh, the, the product of the NFL has been kind of so bad over the past couple of weeks, whether it be, you know, bad matchups, teams favored by a lot of points, a lot of blowouts. Um, and, and so, and so some of these things, it's like, is it really, is it really the, the, the interestingness of, of what's going on that's kind of affecting people and, and their watchability of it? Um, or, or is it really just the, the, the level of play that we're getting on the field with, with, you know, with watching these games and, and talent wise and stuff. And so I think that's kind of what the, what the question is. And, and we really won't be able to tell, I mean, kind of until I guess you know I mean the other thing too is like the NFL is always going to be the number one sport in America and everybody's going to watch it regardless of kind of what the product is and so um so so to some extent it's a it's a moot point but uh but yeah so that that'll wrap up the NFL content we'll move over to college football now 
Um, so obviously we had the Heisman Trophy ceremony on Saturday night. Uh, came as kind of a surprise to most people. I don't, I don't even think I, I really only knew that it was that night because I saw it on like college game day earlier in the morning. I, I didn't even realize that it was the same, the same day as like the army Navy game and whatever. So, um, anyway, it, it, Bryce Young won the Heisman. We, we weren't, nobody was really surprised by that. Clearly, you know, he was the best player, um, on, on, he was the quarterback of the best team. And we had a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago saying kind of, you know, it is, is, is the Heisman losing its meaning because we're really kind of just choosing the best player on the best team or, or the quarterback from the best team in some circumstance. And, and so this topic, we're going to be, we're going to kind of revisit this topic, um, but put a little bit of a spin on it. So we saw Aiden Hutchinson, who was a defensive end for Michigan. He like, he, he, he was amazing this year. He, he, he broke the record for sacks in a single season at Michigan. Um, he, he was a game wrecker. He played, obviously played in the big 10 with, with great competition and, and still was able to kind of put up these great numbers. So he made the Heisman voting. He was in New York. He, he could have won the Heisman. Um, obviously he didn't get enough votes because, because Bryce Young got pretty much all of them. And so Aiden Hutchinson never really had a shot to win the Heisman, right? Uh, and then many people kind of, you know, more, I guess, would, I, I, I would say kind of hard, harder core college football fans uh, were, were kind of were advocating for Will Anderson, who's a linebacker from Alabama, who, again, if you don't watch Alabama, you don't really watch that much college football. You wouldn't even really know who, who Will Anderson is. Um, and, and for that matter, you know, it's, it's really tough to kind of see the impact that a defensive player has. And maybe that's kind of this whole narrative of why the media isn't voting for these types of guys. Right. Regardless. I, I mean, people who I consider very good college football analysts and, and who are very knowledgeable about the sport and, and how good these players are, they were all saying that Willie Anderson should have won the Heisman and he wasn't even a, a finalist to win the Heisman. He couldn't have even gotten any votes. Um, and so kind of the question here is like the last defensive player to win the Heisman was Charles Woodson. He did it in 1996 or 1998, I think, actually. Um and so, and so the, it really boils down to this and, and, and kind of will a defensive player ever win the Heisman again? Yeah. So I think, I think that my answer is going to be maybe a little bit controversial here, but if I were voting for the Heisman after seeing Aiden Hutchinson's game against Ohio state in the, in the um, big 10 championship, I think that I probably would have gone with Aiden Hutchinson for the, for the Heisman. And here's why. You guys know that I mean I've been I've I've hated on Bryce Young ever since we did that that podcast episode where we first talked about the Heisman losing its meaning and and I I think it's for bad reason because again I you know I'd seen Bryce Young play and I'd kind of just seen okay you're kind of normal Alabama quarterback but he I don't think he really isn't your normal Alabama quarterback anymore I saw his more of his character on you know, the Heisman show, I actually watched it all the way through. I think it's the first time I've ever done that. So and it, was, it was actually kind of cool. Like I thought that it was just one of those things because they always announce it at the end, like 15 minutes, before, you know, it's, it's a, the show goes from eight to 9 PM Eastern time. And so they announce it at eight 45. And so I've never really watched until the end because that's when they announce it, but seeing kind of like the journey that, you know, they show like the journey of, of all, all the four finalists and then they give the, the actual trophy out. And then the, finalist makes their speech, whatever. So him making a speech and then seeing his journey to the Heisman was actually a lot more, it opened me up a lot more to liking him per se. But again, like we, and they said this on the, on the, the Heisman finalist show that an Alabama quarterback has never won the Heisman. 
And that's crazy because they've had so many great quarterbacks that have, you know, that have led their team to so many great seasons in the past. Like again, Mac Jones last year, I mean, yeah, Devontae, his wide receiver, Devontae Smith won it last year, but you know, Mac Jones, AJ McCarron, you know, way back when before, um, before Jalen hurts or two attack of Viloa were even the, the quarterback there. And so, yeah, we've seen so many teams. I mean, so many Alabama teams have, you know, these quarterbacks that are, that are good, but we've never seen an Alabama quarterback win the Heisman. And so this year we finally saw that. And I think that gives, I think that says a, a lot about Bryce Young, but again, like Matt was saying, these, you know, these ex, these people who are supposed to be experts on it who are voting for the Heisman. I feel like they would have more, they would have more insight to, a, yeah, like a guy, a, you know, a guy like Will Anderson or a guy like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, who really I think deserves it because if you're going to win the Heisman, people always say, oh, you have to have a Heisman moment. Dude, is having, you know, like two sacks and I, I think he had, no, three sacks, something like that. And then like um, six pass rush or um, quarterback pressures, you know, against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Is that not a Heisman moment? Like, I, I don't know. For me, it was Ada, Ada Hutchinson by a lot. But again, you know, that's kind of. I may be a little bit biased just because he we saw so much from him towards the end of the season. I also do want to say, and I'm just going to add this in here. I did my my Heisman vote, Kenny Pickett, back way back when when we uh, when we it was like middle of the season when we were given our Heisman votes. Kenny Pickett did make it to be a finalist, but he was obviously the worst one out of all of them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was very sharp of you, Hayden. I, I I will give you props on that. And and back then when we did make those Heisman picks. I went with the cop-out answer and I said, Kenneth Walker, the third, who obviously Michigan state struggled a little bit to on the season there. Um, and, and so he didn't even make the Heisman voting, but he did win. So I, I, again, I don't understand really that the definitions of some of these, some of these awards, because I got a notification that was like Kenneth Walker, the third wins. I, I don't, it might've been like the Naismith or some, 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 like some other award. And, and like the description on it was like for the best player in college football or best offensive yeah. player. In college. And I'm like, what is the point? Yeah, I see. I see, dude. I see those all the time. Yeah, it was um, the yeah. There's another award that is pretty much the same thing. It's 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 like yeah, like MVP of college football. I'm like, dude, isn't that the high? Like, what is right? Yeah, what is the like, Heisman? Then? Yeah, there's like five different awards that are for the best player in college football, but the the Heisman is also an award for the best player in college football. So so yeah, so obviously Kenneth Walker was 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 honored for his great achievements throughout the season, which I think is good. Um, and, and so may, maybe that's the way it works is like, if you're not, it's like, they kind of pick the players who maybe have the most impact, but wouldn't have, wouldn't have won the Heisman, but still deserve a lot of credit for the stuff they did do. Maybe that's how they kind of break up those other awards, but, uh, but yeah, so, so obviously, right. That, that was kind of the, the interesting part about that whole Heisman ceremony is we, they did like Bryce, Bryce Young deserved to win the Heisman. He won the right he he was the best player by far I mean you saw those those last two games especially with Auburn coming back from being down Georgia coming back from being down and and, and the the amazing show that he was able to put on um arguably without his best receiver and John Mechie too for most of the both of those games and so uh so that that was I think you know clearly he should have been the one to win it, it it's just going to be interesting to see and, and I'm glad that a defensive player did make the Heisman I think it was just he was so hyped up after, after having such a big day against Ohio State and then also that Michigan won the Big Ten Championship so again it's like 
technically the best player on Michigan was Aiden Hutchinson. Michigan's the number two team in the country. They won the big 10. So it's like, even in that sense, like the best player on the best team in the big 10, at least, uh, or, or, you know, from, from the top four teams in the country, cause they're number two, he also made the Heisman voting. So it's like, you know, th- there is an argument for that. I just kind of hope to see at some point, you know, we get some diversity. Like I said, I'm really happy that Devontae Smith won it last year because that, that shows that, there, there is more to, and Hayden mentioned it too with Mac Jones, like he had a great year, but, but obviously the, the skill and the talent and the numbers that Devontae Smith put up, you can't, you can't argue that Mac Jones had a better season, uh, you know, than him just, just because of the, the, the talent that he has and the numbers that he did produce. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully going forward, it's just not, it's not just QBs from here on out. I would love to see a defensive player win it probably going to, you know, probably not going to happen for a while. And, and I think Hayden did make a, make a com- pretty convincing argument that, right. You know, you have a, you have a, like, right. I think Aiden Hutchinson ended the year with 14 sacks and it's like, that's 1.2 sacks a game, you know, which like, if you're talking about changing a game, which obviously Bryce Young was able to do, for example, against Auburn, like 97 yards in like, uh, you know, 45 seconds uh, and throw in a dime and a 25 yard touchdown with like three seconds to go quadruple overtime, winning the game. And he didn't even sweat, you know, a single, a single bead of sweat did not enter his forehead. That's obviously like he deserves it, you know, uh, to a certain extent. So, so I think it's just, again, it's just hard to kind of get your, your, your average college football fan, your media vote, whoever, you know, kind of votes on the Heisman in the media to kind of go along with that idea of like, Hey, these defensive players are really, really changing the game because at the end of the day, like defense is very much more of a, of a team driven side of the ball uh, because everything has to go right in order for a defense to be dominant like that. So you're going to have better players, but won't necessarily be able to be completely team changing in a sense where you're going to rely on that player to basically win you a game in any given circumstance. Uh, so for the next topic, we're going to be talking about Bowl games, uh, and and Hayden will introduce that topic, and and we'll and we'll go from here. Yeah, so we're gonna kind of piggyback, or I guess you could say, steal College Game Day's idea here. But we're calling, I mean, I guess you could just call them underdogs. But we're we're calling this segment the College Bowl Game Super Dogs, and so we're each gonna give three of our super dogs slash underdogs for for the for the whole College Bowl game season this 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 year. And yeah, we're just going to give our three teams that we think are going to upset their opponents. This segment is called Super Dogs, and so we we kind of made it we made it more of a of, of you know more Super Dog esque by saying okay, well you can't pick an underdog of less than three points. So we all picked games of you know where the underdog was either three points or more of, of of an underdog. And again, that's that's not even really that much. I don't know how they. Um, you know how they how they judge on college game day they're super dogs and who's a super dog who who would be considered a super dog and who would be considered not um i don't know what the point spread is there but i mean they're college bowl games and they're matched up like they're matched up it's basically a skill-based matchmaking and so there's a reason why they're why most of them are you know the spreads are close and so yeah again these teams are underdogs by at least three or at least um yeah at least three points and so we're going to go over three of them so my first one here is going to be north texas over miami ohio and i know that none of you probably care at all about this game this is one of those games that you kind of just you know you, you look at you look at who's who's picking who you look on espn you say okay well 80 percent is picking uh is picking miami ohio so i'm gonna go with them but no i think i think north texas 
is going is, to – we'll be able to pull this one out. I, they haven't had much success in, in, in past bowl games, I don't think. I thought there was one year I, – I thought it was last year, but I just looked it up, and they lost by, like, 30 points to Appalachian State last year. Who was another – Appalachian State is one of those teams that you want to pick in every single bowl game because they win, like, every single year. But, um, but yeah, North Texas is – they're an underdog by three points in Miami, Ohio. But I looked at their schedule. They have a they have a few pretty good like you know wins slash keeping themselves in the game. And so I, th- I think they're going to be able to pull it out. This is kind of my weakest one, so I don't have much to, much to say about it. But North Texas, um, they have a really good running game, and they've won five straight. Miami, Ohio, I think has won four straight. But yeah, North Texas started out one and six, and they've won five straight. And they are six and six now, so hopefully they'll be able to pull this one out. Yeah, I like that pick, um, and, and I think that that's what I pretty much what I was going to point out is they had a really tough tart start to their season. North Texas did, and really just pulled it together. A uh, lot of lot of good lot of good defensive play, and and they you know they started beating teams that they were really kind of bigger underdogs to. So um, I think it's going to be a good game. Obviously, right? Nobody's really going to nobody's going to really, really watch it, but I do think that that's a good pick. Um, mine are all kind of there's a theme to to most of mine, which is being able to pinpoint the opt-outs in these bowl games, which I think is, is really kind of ruining the spirit of bowl games. And and I totally understand it. If you're going to be an NFL player, you don't want to risk getting hurt. You, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but in terms of, you know, being a fan of college football and really liking these bowl games, you're, you're never able to even tell who's going to, who's going to win because you don't know who's going to even play. Right. So I, I was able to kind of look, look, do some research and, and kind of look up who's, who's got some opt-outs and, and, and who's not so far. So my first one, is Houston over Auburn. Uh, Auburn's favored by three points. And, and if you look at the records of both of those teams, you're like, wow, Houston is, you know, they're, 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 uh, you know, they're 11 and two. Uh, they, you know, they lost in the conference in their conference championship game, Auburn's six and six. They, you know, they lost to a bunch of teams and yeah, they're in the sec, but you know, they, they, they have a bad record. Well, they're still favored by three simply because of the sec boost. Right. Um, and so I think this game would be really good, even, even without opt-outs, you know, kind of considering, but basically the story here is that Auburn has a ton of out opt-outs, which again, makes sense. They have a lot of uh, NFL players. Um, I think, you know, two of their best defensive backs are, are have already opted out. Bo Nix, we saw, who's their starting quarterback. He's entering the transfer portal, so he's not even going to be at Auburn when they play this game. TJ Finley's their backup, and he he was really playing hurt in their last couple games. So so I think I think Houston has a really good shot to beat Auburn here because they they always put Dana Holgerson as their coach, and he's a very he's you know he's a very tough guy. He always wants his teams to play hard, so they're going to bring everybody to their bowl game, and especially if they're kind of able to get this win over Auburn. Auburn and SEC team that would be a really signature win for Houston here um and I think they uh you know they can make a case here for kind of being in the new version of the Big 12 when that happens in a couple of years so I really like Houston over Auburn for my first pick yeah I think that's a great pick and it, it's a it's a great point to you know point out the the opt-outs and how they affect both seasons so much actually my next my next pick was going to be Purdue but they have a lot of, they have two, I think their two best offensive players and their best defensive player as well are, are opting out. And so I actually had to change this pick like literally 15 minutes before we started recording. <laughs> and I'm going to pick Missouri over Army. This was kind of a last minute pick, so it's a little bit random. But I think that, 
I mean, Army, we know lost to, in the Army Navy game. And so that already, I think, is going to is going to kind of take their spirits down. They're a four point favorite for some reason. I don't really know. I mean, Missouri, like they they play good teams all season. And yeah, they're I think they're six and six, but they're six and six for a reason. And they're pretty much always six and six for the same reason, because they they play really good teams in the SEC. And so I think I, I don't know. I think Missouri's going to key in on the triple option that army plays it's pretty i mean i don't want to say the triple option is easy to defend but you basically just play man the whole game and if you get beat by a pass then so be it that'll happen like maybe twice a game but yeah you basically just play man against against the army and you got it made i think missouri has a good enough team to pull it out and i don't really know why they're underdogs by four points but I'm going to tell you exactly why they're underdogs by four points. In fact, in, in frankly, they should be underdogs by more points. I was going to rip Hayden apart when he chose Purdue over Tennessee. I was going to say, dude, Tennessee's going to crush Purdue. And he managed to find an even a game that I was even more confident about or less confident in the underdog about. Um, obviously, right, anything can happen, and we're going to wait on opt-outs and whatever. I really like Army to win this game and, and win it by a lot. They always play hard in their bowl games. Yes, they're playing an SEC opponent. Obviously, Hayden mentioned Missouri 6-6, six and six, um, but they have one of the worst rush defenses in college football, and that's the reason that Army's a favorite, is because they run the triple option. They have the second best running attack in all of college football, and if you're facing one of the worst run defenses, you're clearly, you know, that, that's an advantage for you. It's really hard to, it's it, it sounds simple in in, in theory, thinking like, okay, the triple option really doesn't have that many have that many plays, and they're just going to be running the whole time. But with the the angles and and the fakes, and the, you don't know who has the ball, it's extremely hard to prepare for. And I think the army is going to really want to get up for this game because they just lost to Navy, and so they'll be really really ready to play. Obviously, they're a disciplined team, being you know at West Point. Um, and so they'll come in really wanting to win this game. We'll see, though. I mean, hey, you know, again, I uh, obviously my betting locks have not been the best. And so, exactly. you know, Hayden might might be able to pull this one off here. My second uh, is, is kind of a, a lesser known game as well. It's going to be Kent State over Wyoming. Now, as you may recall, if you've been listening to the end of every single podcast, you remember that I bet Wyoming over Hawaii one week and Wyoming got absolutely throttled by Hawaii. So in this game, we're going to basically just go with the opposite. We're going to fade Wyoming here. They're a very slow team they, they don't have much offensive production their defense is pretty good but Kent State on the other side they have one of the best the highest scoring teams in college football their their quarterback Dustin Crum has been there for I think you know three or four years now they have a really great offensive attack and I think that they're going to really be able to speed up the game they're going to score a lot more than Wyoming well they're going to they're at least going to score early and Wyoming is not really going to be able to keep up with them and so I think Kent State has a really really great chance to win this game all right, moving on to my third and final super dog. I've and I kind of alluded to this in our last episode where we talked about the Michigan and Georgia game. I mean, the, the Michigan. Sorry, yeah, I talked about the Mich- Michigan and Georgia game, kind of you know, as as a as a little preview of the playoff. And I think that Michigan is going to take. I think Michigan's going to take out Georgia altogether. Georgia's an eight-point favorite. They have been ever since the playoff was was announced. But I think that, like I said, I mean, I've pretty much said all that I'm going to say right now already. But I think Stetson Bennett, if they keep him in there and he continues to not do well under pressure, I think Michigan's, Michigan's going to get to him. You know, Aiden Hutchinson didn't win the Heisman. Maybe he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder there. And Michigan's defense, like I've said, they have, you know, two 
possible top 10 draft picks and in, in edge rushers. Maybe not anymore. They probably, they might've fallen or, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they have a great defense and their offense, those two running backs, uh, you know, they've, they've, they've got a great backfield there. And so their quarterback play will be interesting to see how, how it fares against, against Georgia's defense. They have like a weird two quarterback system that somehow works. I don't really know how, but they, yeah, they, they have a, they have a two quarterback system. Basically one is athletic and then the other is not. Um, and so one, when, whenever they have him in, they just run. And then the other one I'm, I'm forget. I think McNamara is like their actual quarterback. And then the other dude comes in just to run, but, um, but yeah, so I, th- I think, I think their quarterback play will be interesting to see, but again, I think that Michigan's just going to be able to take this one because I really don't think that the Georgia offense will be able to do anything. It's interesting. A little hot take there by, by uh, Hayden Bozar. We're going to obviously preview each of these games individually, especially, you know, the, the college football playoff game. So we'll talk more about that. Um, so there's a, I guess a preview of Hayden, how he thinks about the game uh, and how the game will go, uh, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty confident pick there. You know, let's, let's see if it kind of turns out. I don't really have a, a favorite on either side. I don't think, uh, but I, you know, Hayden obviously makes kind of a good argument for, for Michigan. So my last one is going to be Wake Forest over Texas A&M. And again, this is another one of those things where you say Wake Forest was really great. They were in the ACC championship. They went like, you know, 10 and three in, in the regular season, Texas A&M, they were what eight and four. Um, but again, you have that sec boost from you know for texas a&m on their side and, and wake forest is is clearly um you know is clearly kind of in, in a in a weaker conference and and therefore shouldn't necessarily be favored in this game however as i said kind of the theme of the bowl bowl games this year this year and, and pretty much every year going forward here is going to be opt-outs and so the texas a&m quarterback well let's say backup quarterback zap calls calzada he started most of their games but that was because their original quarterback got hurt the original quarterback is still not going to be available i think he, he tore his knee up and and so he'll be he'll be out until the start of next season zach calzada is the guy who pretty much got them right back on track and, and really led Texas A&M to a bunch of wins in a row. He's in the transfer portal probably because he knows that, you know, he, he had a pretty good showing uh, and, and, and obviously, but I think that, you know, the other, I keep forgetting the other quarterback's name, um, but he was a freshman and he'll, he'll come back and, and he'll probably be the starter for next year. So Zach Calzada is going to be in the transfer portal. I, I really don't know who Texas A&M has even behind him. It, it's probably going to be like a walk on or something. And so as bad as Wake Forest defense is, I really don't see Texas A&M being able to score a lot of points. And obviously Texas A&M's defense is really good, but they have some NFL talent on there. I don't know if they've had like official opt-outs yet on the defense. Uh, but either way, Wake Forest offense is very prolific. They'll be able to put some points up on that Texas A&M team. The only question here is whether or not Sam Hartman, who's the quarterback for Wake Forest, if he's going to play, I'm pretty sure he will because I think he's only like a redshirt sophomore after this year. So he still has two more years of eligibility and, and he'll come back and play. So I'm assuming that he'll play in the bowl game. And again, it's it's one of these teams it's a, in a smaller conference that could really, really use a big win against an SEC team in a bowl game to propel their program, right? It helps with recruiting. It helps with, you know, the money that they're able to spend. Um so I think Wake Forest is is a great pick over Texas A&M, especially with the, the quarterback news going on there. Wake Forest is going to be really up for this game, and, and I think they can pull out the outright win. Yeah, I think that's a great pick. And, again, if, if Sam Hartman doesn't play, I, I think that that's probably going to go Texas A&M's way. But, yeah, I mean, but if he does play, I think that's, I think that's a great super dog pick. So moving on to NBA. So our first topic is 
about the Lakers. And I know that people are probably tired of hearing about the Lakers because that's pretty much the only team that you hear about them and the Warriors. That's, I mean, those are the two faces of the league, but we do kind of have to talk about them because their defense is, is a little lackluster this season. All right. So compared to last year, they had, I think the best defense in the league last year, but I think they're ranked 11th in overall defense this year, which again, you might be saying, okay, well, that's still in the top half of the league, but they're Lakers. Like they should be, they should be better in my opinion. Um, and probably in the, in the opinion of most basketball fans. And so basically most of the free agents that were, that were signed this past off season are, are going to be eligible or actually are eligible for trade starting today, December 15th. So do we, and this can, this includes Ben Simmons. And so, you know, do we think that, that they have, to make a move on, on one of these big names, such as, you know, Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant is another one that's been in, in um, you know, been a big talk in, in, in the trade world, but Jeremy Grant doesn't become eligible for trade until I think a month after today, which, you know, is January 15th. And so I think that, yeah, you, you know, the general question here is, do they need to go for one of these big names like Ben Simmons or Jeremy, Jeremy Grant to kind of help out their defense? And if so, why? Or who? So I think those are two interesting players that you mentioned there, Hayden. I mean, they are, I think, probably, you know, the two biggest names when it does come to free agency here, uh, kind of in a midseason form. And both are great defensive players. So I, I think that that's a good observation. Obviously, the Lakers, Lakers defense is really struggling as compared to last year, which is kind of what carried them. But but here's the thing, right, is like at the end of the day, sure, their defense was great last year. But what did that lead them to? That led them to a seven seed in the West and, and, and basically a four to one. It was, it was a gentleman. They call it a gentleman's sweep when you get swept. When you, when you lose a series four to one is because they, the other team was being a gentleman by letting you win one game. And so this, the Suns basically swept them. Um, and and, and that, that really kind of proved to us like, okay, yeah, the defense looked really great because they had a lot of young players who were scrappy and wanting to play hard, but they weren't able to turn that into anything. And, and, and obviously, right, we had, you know, Anthony Davis was hurt during the series. LeBron was hurt for the entire year, basically, and then kind of came back and, and wasn't able to, to kind of, you know, put, put the team on his back and, and carry them to, to a series victory. Um, I think that the addition of Russell Westbrook is really the the extent to which they were trying to go. I don't think that they're going to really dig into free agency here uh, in, in in a midseason form. I think they'll be okay in terms of when you know making it to the playoffs. But but again, I think it's just the, the, for the Lakers to have all of these offensively driven players. The defense is is kind of a worry. But I think as we saw with with teams like you know, teams like the Suns and teams like the Bucks last year, they played good defense, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really like how you're, how you're able to kind of, I think it's just more of an offensive driven league. And so we see the teams, obviously the teams that win the NBA finals pretty much every year have a good defense, but, but I do think that the offensive pieces essentially matter more when you're talking about a seven game series here. So I don't think they're really going to grab uh, anyone in, in free agency. And, and I think that they'll be able to figure things out as we get closer to kind of the, uh, the you know, the mid part of the NBA season here. Uh, and, and I do think, like I said, the addition of Russell Westbrook, yeah, that's probably the biggest, the, you know, the biggest name that they're going to try to get. But it, you want to talk about someone who actually tries his butt off every game, it's, it's Russell Westbrook. So he, he will hopefully be able to kind of grab, uh, you know, the, the, the younger players on that team, even though they're basically one of the oldest teams in the NBA. I mean, we're talking, you know, Dwight Howard and, 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 you know, and other people, JaVale McGee and stuff. So they have a bunch of old players on the team regardless. I don't think they're really necessarily going to uh, 
going to be, you know, going to be going to be diving for balls anytime here soon. But uh, but I do think that still, you know, they I think just need a lot of time to play together in order to make a playoff run like they're expecting to do, because without, you know, without being able to gel in the court, we saw what happened last year. It's not going to end well. Uh, and just because you, just because you have LeBron on your team does not mean that you're going to automatically make it to the finals. And I think they were kind of, they were kind of proven that last year. So they said, okay, look, we need a, you know, we need a fierce, you know, youngish player who, who plays really hard. Let's bring in Russell Westbrook. He'll kind of be able to, to manage the the days on which the, over the rest of the team is a little bit tired or, injured uh and 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 kind of have success there moving forward so that's my answer i really don't i mean it gets kind of basically just a no to the answer to the question is is i don't think they're really going to go after anyone uh but i'd like to see what hayden thinks yeah i think that i think the the you know the obvious answer here if they were to go after somebody it would be jeremy grant they would i think i read somewhere that they would run into a lot of cap space problems with um ben simmons if they tried to sign him because because of Russell Westbrook and how, you know, they're spending a lot of money on him. And so they can't really, they don't really have a lot of money to spend on Ben Simmons. And so they would kind of get in a little sticky situation there again, cap space, cap space in any league, it gets like so confusing so quickly. And so I'm not going to get into any specifics for that. But yeah, I think Ben Simmons is pretty much out of the question in terms of, in terms of cap space, but I think, yeah, I mean, Jeremy Grant's like a three and D guy. And so, that's that's pretty much exactly what they need. And so if they were to go after somebody, I think it would be Jeremy Grant. But again, they have so many big names on their on their team this year. Also, it's funny, Matt mentioned JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee, literally everywhere he goes, the team is always so good. Like, dude, he was on he was on those um, he was on those what 2015, 2016 or 2016, 2017 Warriors teams where they like, you know, went to the finals three straight years or whatever. Like he was on all of those teams, I think. And he won. Um, and he obviously he won two finals there, I think. And then he, he went to the Lakers and now they're like the superstars of the league. It's crazy. Like wherever JaVale McGee goes and JaVale McGee, like if, if you've seen him on the court, he's, he's just, he just looks ridiculous. Like you would never expect him to be on a, you know, a winning team and he's not the X factor at all, but he's always on the winning team. It's so, it's so funny. Yeah, he's like an he's like a meme in the NBA, and, and yeah. he's, but he's like regardless, it's like okay, well, count the rings, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, so I think that that kind of wraps up the Lakers talk. There, uh, will be interesting to see how they what they end up doing, and, and we'll obviously keep you guys updated as they do it. The second topic here in the NBA section is going to be surrounding the Portland Trail Blazers, who because they're in Portland and, and kind of you know a middling team in the West Coast in terms of the standings, don't get a lot of recognition recognition beyond. Damian Lillard who like you know we, we kind of really only pay attention to when he has really great games and stuff and then basically you know obviously right you know recently in the news it's been kind of like oh is he gonna get traded he keeps giving these loyalty speeches about how he's not you know he, he doesn't want to get traded he wants to you know stay in Portland forever and and people praise him for that then we show clips of him you know making three nine threes in a game but the, 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 the trailblazers aren't like their, their team isn't beyond him. Isn't really that great. CJ McCollum's a good player. Uh, they have Joseph Nur- Nurkic and he's good too, but it's like, they're, they're not making a run in the playoffs here and they haven't uh, really ever, you know, ever, especially since kind of Dames has been there. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the behind the scenes though, with the organization and stuff that that's really kind of interesting. And I think affecting a lot of what's been happening here. So 
You may have seen in the news last week, the GM, I forget his name, he got fired, but it was, you know, it was one of those workplace, you know, sexual assault things. Like he was kind of, it was either him that was doing stuff or the co- the other coaches were, and he was kind of sweeping it under the rug. And so a lot of players and, and, and you know, people within the organization found out about that and basically was just like, this guy needs to go. So he got fired, uh, which is, I guess, a po- you know, will leave a positive impact on the, on the morale of the team. Uh, we have Chauncey Billups is, is their coach, which like, who would have even, I, I remember that happening, but I don't, you know, he, he hasn't made any news. He hasn't really done much. Um, again, they're just kind of doing the same thing that they always do. Um, and so, and so kind of the, the situation here is like, we have a little bit of turmoil going on within the organization. Uh, and on top of all of this turmoil, turmoil, we have the conversations surrounding Damian Lillard being traded or not. Obviously, like I said, he keeps, you know, he keeps basically just saying like, no, I'm a Portland trailblazer for life. Like that, that's, you know, that's who I'm with. Um, and, and, and I'm not, you know, not giving up on them. And, and that's all well and great. But again, like I said, they haven't had success. Right. And so it's like, you're paying Dame all this money and you have other good assets, but it's clearly not working out. And they, you know, they, they, they fired the coach and whatever, and, and thought that would bring some success. And, and so far again, not, not really. Um, and so the question here is kind of like, what's this, you know, what's the situation? Obviously I went over it. Um, and then what is Damian Lillard's future with the Blazers? I think that, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go ahead and start here. I think that really, you know, they can keep him as long as they want, but it's, it's not like he's had any success with them. And I don't think that's that they're nest. They're like just magically going to start having success with him either. Um, you know, they, they need some serious talent upgrades, I think, to even be competing with the other teams in the West who are, who, you know, who are, who are really kind of showing their stuff as of recently. Um, and so the only op, the only, pretty much the only other option is to, is to, is to trade him. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, like, He's saying that he's not, I think he, the way that he's portraying his perspective is more so not wanting to look like the bad guy and like he's bailing on his team who he's kind of, you know, he's, he's called it his hometown and stuff. There's murals in Portland painted of, of Damian Lillard and he's, and he's been great for their city and their organization. I don't think he'd be too upset, right? If he was traded to the Knicks, for example, um, who I think he's a real actual, he's a really contender to go there because I think the Knicks need someone, need a piece that can kind of solidify that team and, and support them on the offensive end. And speaking of the offensive end, that's really all that we see from Damian Lillard. I think that a lot of, like I said, they kind of get lost in the mix because they're over there on the West Coast and they're not that great. And so we see when he has these really great games, but what does he provide on them? You know, what does he provide for that team on defense? Not much is, is pretty much the answer. And so I think that a lot of people are kind of starting to ask those questions as well. And that's why a lot of this trade, a lot of these trade rumors are kind of coming up. And so I think he's honestly missing the boat a little bit when people say, like hey you know what's your future with the team do you want to get traded he's like no portland's portland's my you know my 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 city i'm I'm here for the people i'm here for the team and really it's kind of like i think the organization is starting to realize a little bit like hey we kind of need to make something happen here because you're not playing great defense your offensive skills are great but but the team isn't really doing that much and so and, and and even with the ownership structure i forgot to mention this earlier it was like the, the guy who was the owner, he died. And, and so the, the team basically, you know, basically got left into the hands of his sister who doesn't really, isn't really the fan of basketball. The guy who owned it before he, I forgot his name. Um, but he was like that, you know, the, the, the Blazers were like his life uh, and, and that's all he lived for. But, uh, but then basically what happened was, you know, the sister took control. She didn't really care that much, obviously let the stuff happen with the GM. And so now it's all kind of, you know, in shambles. And so, 
I think the future for Damian Lillard is basically like two options. Either he stays with Portland and they just keep on being a mediocre team and he keeps on making a show out of it and obviously making a boatload of money. And if that's his, you know, if that's what he wants to do and that's what he wants his legacy to be, then, then that's great. You know, and, and, and he really has put on for the city and, and and made that team something that it wasn't before he got there. Uh, Obviously, you know, such a great player, but I think the other option is him being traded and, and, and he'll probably go to a a really, you know, a team that's kind of trying to make a move here who has a solid foundation, but doesn't necessarily have the star power to pull them across you know the playoffs or, or at least make a deep playoff run uh and, and i don't know exactly which of those is going to happen i think there's positives and negatives to both um but if i had to give my opinion obviously pretty much you know based on all of what i've said i think it just makes more sense for the blazers to trade dame and 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 you know and eat the cap room hayden was talking about it you know you're gonna you're gonna end up eating a lot of money on that deal because you're not gonna get you know what it what he was worth or what you're paying him right now but the Blazers just need, I think they just need to re, they need to start rebuilding. It's like you've, you've gone this long with Dame and you haven't really gotten the results that you desired. Uh, and so kind of what's left here is like, do you want to just keep being a mediocre team for the rest of Dame's career? Or do you want to trade him, get a lot of value for it, get a lot of picks, you know, kind of start rebuilding this team and, and really trying to turn it into a contender uh, as we go along here in, in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think the, the two sides of that argument that you gave were, really good ones and, you know, really the only possible ones. But yeah, I think, I think what you, the, the point you made about Dame staying in Portland is that yes, he, if he stays in Portland, he's going to continue to be the star. He's the only, really the only guy that's keeping them afloat. And so, like you said, you know, if they do end up trading him away, then they're going to tank and they're going to get a lot of value for him, but they're going to really have to, you know, rebuild and, and, and rethink their pretty much their whole team. But I, you know, if he stays there, like if he stays in Portland, they're gonna, they're gonna keep on doing the same stuff. They're gonna go to the playoffs. You know, Dame's gonna hit one or two incredible buzzer beaters in the first round of the playoffs, but then they're still gonna get beat, and then they won't make it to the, you know, they won't make it to the second round of the playoffs, and they'll just be, it'll be the same story as always. Like that's happened probably the past three years. Like Dame's hit hit this insane shot in the in the playoffs, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's Dame time, and you know. It, Portland's going to go crazy. Like, no, dude, they, they don't win at all. Like in the play ever in the playoffs. And so, yeah, it's, it's just going to continue being the same thing. Matt already said it, you know, it, it's nothing's going to really change. If, you know, if he stays there, they're not going to be able to, they're not going to really be able to build a, 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 a good team around him, especially one that's going to, like Matt said, be able to compete with the other teams in the West. And so, yeah, I think that their best bet right now, I think is, is just to trade him and get a lot of value for him. And, you know, start just basically restart and, you know, build from the ground up because it, you'd love, you love a guy like that, a, a guy that you can build a team around, but we've seen that the team that they've built around him or that they've tried to build around him for the past, however many years just hasn't really been, you know, hasn't been able to compete in the West. And so it's, it's sad. It's, it's a sad situation, but I think that Dame, you know, it's it's time for him to make that decision that all that a lot of superstars have to make in their career where it's like, okay, I'm either going to be loyal and stay with my team and not make a whole entire city mad at me or I'm going to have to move to a different team where I can actually win a championship just like Kevin Durant did and you know, everybody got mad at him in Oklahoma City and called him a snake, but then he went and won a championship and so it was all fine and dandy after that. So yeah, again, I mean, it's just it's just one of those situations, and I I do think that that the Blazers should trade Dame, 
So yeah, that's that's basically it for our um, NBA talk. Now moving on to our kind of fourth slash fourth and fifth topics. Matt are gonna go. Matt and I are gonna split up here, and you know we each of us might give give input on each other's topic, but. We're not going to do NHL this week just because there hasn't really been much that's happened recently. So Matt decided to talk about um, Champions League soccer, which I pretty much know nothing about. I know the winner of it each year, and that's about it. And so, yeah, I'm going to talk about something a little bit unorthodox here, and it's actually UFC. And not only is it UFC, but it's women's UFC. Now, even if you're not a UFC fan, you probably heard about this this past weekend. There was actually a couple – good fights like there was there there's a really good women's fight and a really good men's fight the Poirier fight and then the Amanda Nunez fight and so I'm going to talk about the Amanda Nunez fight because if you even if you aren't a UFC fan you probably heard about this upset and it was Juliana Pena getting the win by submission over um over Amanda Nunez now Amanda Nunez has that she hasn't lost since 2014 and that's it, it's insane because and she's beat so many superstars across uh, along the way back in 2016 possibly the peak of women's ufc of you know in in the, the peak of its history basically it was when ronda rousey and misha tate and all these all these gals were you know dominating the the division and everything this is and she won this was the bantamweight title that um that juliana pena won uh or took from amanda nunez but amanda nunez back in 2016 she beat both Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey in the same year. And then in 2018, she beat Chris Cyborg, who was like, uh, I think 20 and two at the time or something like that. And, you know, obvious, she was obviously a, a great fighter. And so she beat three superstars in the, in the span and, you know, two of them in, in one year. And she hasn't, I mean, she's had at least one fight each year since 2014 when she, you know, the last time that she lost. And sometimes it's one, sometimes it's three, but, Again, like she's she's under she's been undefeated since for, for seven years. Like that's crazy. If you, I mean, no, like, and obviously this is not a team sport, and so it's more likely in fighting that you that that you go undefeated for that period of time. But like, that is an incredible feat. And the fact that Juliana Pena went in there at I think she's like uh, nineteen and six or something like that in in her career. So I mean, she's not the best fighter, but she went in there and 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 submitted the Amanda Nunez. And I just think, I don't know, this, this got so much media attention that, again, this was like one of the biggest upsets in sports history, basically. Um, And so it got so much media attention. And I think that the point I'm trying to get at here is like the, this is great for women's sports, especially because we see like the, you know, the, the commentary on women's sports compared to men's sports is always you know, it like the WNBA compared to the NBA is pretty much the first thing that's mentioned in that conversation. And everybody always says, okay, well, the NBA, you know, is so much better than, than, than the WNBA and the skill gap is so much larger. And it, and that's, you know, it's true. Like the skill gap is, is super large, com, you know, when comparing women's basketball against men's basketball, I think that fighting th- and this was great for, you know, like I said, women's sports in general in the media fighting is probably the, there's probably the the least of or the um, the smallest skill gap in terms of, um, you know, comparing men versus women and fighting. 
because like you can get so much entertainment out of watching a women's fight. I don't know why women's fights aren't more popular. Maybe they are. And maybe, you know, just my opinion of them, like hasn't been the best in the past, but if you go like in terms of entertainment, pure entertainment for people that are watching that, you know, if you want to watch a fight on a Saturday night, like if you watch, if, if, if I gave you a, you know, the average guy fighter against another average guy fighter, and then an average girl fighter over, you know, against another average girl fighter, you'd probably get like the same, the same amount of enjoyment or the same amount of entertainment out of it, you know, between both of them. Like it's, they're basically the same in terms of entertainment. And so I think that's, that this is great for women's sports and, you know, in general, because it kind of, this will definitely boost like, uh, you know, more of a fan base for, for women's sports in general. I, I think, I think that, you know, this, this win, like, yeah, it sucks for Amanda Nunez. And she was a good sport about it too. Like after, after the fight, she, um, when they did the whole, you know, if you guys don't watch fights at the end of fights, the, the ref goes in the middle of the two fighters and he raises the hand of the, of the, the, um, the fighter that wins when their name is announced. And so when Juliana Pena's name was announced, Amanda Nunez actually started like gave a little smile and she started clapping, which is great sportsmanship. Like you, you've been undefeated for seven years and you start clapping for the, for the girl that chokes you out. Like that's, that's, that's really good sportsmanship there. And so I think, yeah, I think the whole, like, the whole stage that it was, you know, that, that it was set on and all the hype leading up to it. And then the way that it turned out and the media attention that it got, I think is great for women's sports in, in general. Yeah, I agree. And, and I'm glad that Hayden talked about that um, because I think, you know, it's, it's an, it's an underrepresented sport in general UFC is, but when we do talk about it, it's, it's the famous guy fighters and, and, and it was a big deal and we did get a lot of notifications about it and stuff. But, but I think that, you know, if we really kind of dig deeper in the analysis of the sport uh, on the women's side, it's, it's, it is really great. There's a ton of competition. There's a great, there's a lot of great names. And, and like you said, it's, you know, they're trying their butt off, but they still respect each other for, for doing it uh, and, and, and kind of being able to, to, to do that you know, on a consistent basis and, and really just being, you know, these top level athletes who, who still respect each other's game is, is really awesome. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he gave some great analysis there on that. I'm going to talk about the champions league really quick and, and kind of mainly because we had the, uh, the, the, uh, you know, the little snafu with the, uh, with the champions league draw that happened earlier this week. So essentially, um, if you're a soccer fan, you, you, you know, you've, you've definitely heard about this. Uh, you know, basically what happens is there's, there's a group stage in the champions league and, and based on who wins, you know, a certain amount of games and it is, it works just like the Euro cup or the world cup where you crew a certain amount of points based on your wins and losses. And then, and then the top 16 teams are announced and, and they're basically just put in a bracket format uh, for who, uh, for, for, you know, for who kind of is going to play, be playing who, Basically, what happened was the the original Champions League draw was announced and and the draw basically means, you know, who's playing who. And Manchester United and uh, and PSG were matched up against each other. And and this was like this huge, you know, this huge deal because it's like these are two amazing teams with some really, you know, amazing stars. You want to talk about the two, probably, you know, the two of the best soccer players ever, Messi and Ronaldo are going to be in this game. Right. And so that's like such a big deal. Uh, And then basically, you know, once that news came across, everybody's like, Oh my God, like that's going to be the best game ever. Like can't wait to watch it. And then, 
and then like you know 30 minutes later basically the you know uefa comes out and is just like oh uh, uh wait sorry there there was a there was a malfunction in the software system that that was developing these games and uh that, that's not actually who's going to be playing each other so we have to redo the entire draw and and so that's kind of where we started to you know soccer fans in general are kind of just starting to be like all right what like you hold on so you're saying that just because these two t- and so it's like they you know basically they were trying to uefa came out and they were trying to cover their tracks and was like oh it's software malfunction we can't have two same teams from the same country or two teams from the same league playing each other uh yeah that's why and it's like okay let's so let's think about this no neither of those teams are in the same country neither of those teams are in the same league this is exactly you know a perfect example of what a champions league match should look like but just because it was the two best stars and just because it was two really great teams, they want to put them on either side of the, you know, of the bracket so that they can meet in the finals potentially. And, and so it was almost like this thing where it's like, oh my gosh, are we really about to rig the Champions League draw just because it, you know, just because it ended up it being, uh, you know, with some star players playing against each other. Um and so that that was kind of the news there, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too long in the subject because we're only kind of late in the podcast here anyway. But uh, yeah, it was just really interesting to see that happen where it's like that never that that I don't think has ever happened in the history of the you know in the Champions League draw. And it's just like okay, well uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna make up some excuses as to why we think that we should redraw it just because we don't want some teams you know certain teams be playing against certain other teams and and these you know the greatest players ever to be kind of playing against each other. Um, and so the the other kind of quick question I want to get on here too and. And we'll talk about this as as the Champions League kind of gets closer and closer to the to, to starting, and, and and as we kind of have some knockout stage action here, uh, kind of coming up soon. I, the question I'm going to pose is: Does any team outside of the English Premier League have a chance at winning at all? I would say, if anyone, it's PSG. I mean, obviously they you know they have Messi, they have Neymar, so they have all these great these great players uh, who they've gotten uh, you know in in their version of free agency over the past over the past couple of years. Um, but as we saw last year was Man City and Chelsea, Chelsea won it and, and they both, both of those teams are back and, and they're, you know, they're loaded. So, and they're on either side of the draw, of course, as well. Um, and, and so those are, I think that's kind of like the, the deal here is like, obviously, and with, you know, with Man U having, having Ronaldo now, like they're, you know, they're, they're really great. They had a shaky start to the season, but they're starting to come up now and play some really great, play some really great, great uh, football out there on the pitch, as we would like to say. Um, and, and so the other kind of the other matchups really aren't that, you know, that, that great. Uh, you know, we have a lot of teams, you know, teams that are, that are you know, kind of usually end up in the, in the Champions League notch, knockout stage, but, uh, but, but not many teams who I think outside of the EPL are going to be able to really, you know, compete for the Champions League crown. So obviously I'm going to be hoping for some, I'm going to be rooting for some underdogs here. We, we'll see what happens and then we'll kind of do some updates as the Champions League gets, gets started here. But I know it was just, it was just so funny to see, like, you know, after all the World Cup, you know, stuff that we always end up with is like, is soccer rigged and, and then the refs and everything and it's just like we just then we have this and it's like okay come on guys can we just have one normal session and just get the sport going get people excited for these games instead of having all this turmoil that's a result of you know of people who don't want you know we have to keep everything sacred um so so yeah so so i'm excited for the action to start and and hopefully this can be kind of just put behind us here uh as we do get started pretty soon Alrighty, that about wraps it up for our main content of the week hope you guys enjoyed our uh our talk yeah we've we've gone a little bit over here and i'm just checking with matt do you do you still have your uh do you still have your lock of the week 
Oh, you know, I have my lock of the week. We're, 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 oh, we always got a lock of the week on Tuesdays. Okay. That, that is Wednesday as we're recording now. Um, that is, that is never going to be a, a, a segment, a theme that is stopped here on the first down rundown podcast. We got a win last week. Okay. We're back in the win column. We're, we're two and four on the season, but we're back in the win column and we're, and we're going to go for gold right now. Obviously, again, like I said, who, who knows why I was betting college before? We're, we're back on NFL. It's really the only thing we have to bet on. I could bet on bowl games, but like I said, bowl games, you have, you have no idea who's going to play and who's not, okay? So we're going to go with NFL. And last week we took the Falcons plus two and a half against the Panthers. I laid out all the reasons why Christian McCaffrey wasn't playing. Cam Newton can't throw a forward pass to save his life. And they fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Similar situation this week. Okay. We're going to go back to the well with this coaching news, you know, turmoil within the organization. The Texans are playing the Jaguars. These are two of the worst teams in the NFL. I get it. Why? Why are the Jaguars favored by three and a half points? This should never exist in the in the entire list of human and human history. Okay, this shouldn't be a thing. Why are they favored? We, I mean, we we get all these reports. You know, uh, what's his face? Um, Urban Meyer. Yeah. You know, basically just walking into meetings being like you guys are all losers defend your resumes and tell me why you're a winner you know to all the people that he hired on his staff um you know and, and we're not going to get because that's something that every other podcast in the world is talking about this this week so we're not going to go over that too much but exactly the reason why i'm going to fade them when it comes to betting he they, there was just a report that came out tonight about how josh lambo who was who used to be their former kicker apparently he was like in warming up and doing stretches before the season urban meyer came up to him and like just kicked him in the leg and it's like what what is this guy doing? So tons of problems within the Jaguars organization. None of the players trust him. None of the players want to play for him. They're not going to win a single game for the rest of the season. And clearly, you know, they have some talent, but if the players don't want to play for them, what are we going to, what are we doing here? Right. Whereas on the other side of the ball, we got the Texans who David cut, Cully, I think is his name, David Cully, uh, is their head coach. He's never been a coach before. He's like 60 something. They're not, they're in a completely rebuilding year. They're not even trying to win, uh, but they play hard for their coach. And that's all we're looking for here when it comes to betting on teams. And you tell me they're getting three and a half points. That's what I like to hear. We're taking the tech. Yeah. We're taking the Texans plus three and a half this week. Take the points. Yeah, That's a great bet. And I'm actually, I'm still kind of weak over over <laughs> the story about dude Urban Meyer kicking Josh Lambo in the leg. <laughs> like why, dude? Like who does that? And it, it it was probably his kicking leg. Otherwise, I don't think that would have been a story. And it's like you, this is your kicker. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, I, we exactly. could we could spend an entire podcast on its own talking about the the failure of Urban Meyer as a head coach in the NFL. Um, but but we're not going to do that because you guys have heard plenty of that over the past uh, over the past week. All we're gonna do is we're just gonna bet against them. How about that, right? Actually, um, it's it's kind of interesting because uh, my my fantasy pickup of the week my fantasy waiver wire pickup of the week is actually on the opposing team of matt's bet and that's the the jaguars now you might be saying like okay dude if you're saying anybody else than james robinson who's not even a fantasy waiver wire pickup if you're saying anybody else is gonna have a good week than james robinson on the texans you have to be crazy now you can call me crazy, okay? But if, if you're in a PPR league, and I know we're getting into, into playoff season here in terms of, of fantasy, and so that's a little, it's a little bit sticky. But, um, yeah, if, if, if you need 
a wide receiver or a flex, pro- probably a flex. Honestly, I mean, this guy's not really going to be like a wide receiver too, even. But if you need a, uh, you know, a, a streaming flex option, go ahead and pick up. And if you're in PPR, go ahead and pick up. Um, go ahead and pick up La- Laquan Treadwell. Okay, <laughs> he's had, he's had, I think, three straight games of like four receptions and fifty plus yards. I mean, that's nine, ten points right there that you're getting consistently over the past three games. All right. Laquan Treadwell, he's not the number one option in Detroit right now, but I mean, we've like, we saw Tavon Austin catch his first touchdown pass since like 2018 last week or last week or the week before or something. So any, I mean, anything can happen with the Jaguars, you know, Trevor Lawrence threw four picks against the Texans. I mean, the Titans defense last week, which helped me a lot of my fantasy matchup, but um, yeah, like the, this Jaguars offense is just crazy and, yeah, it may not seem like there's guys on that offense that can produce in fantasy, but we've seen Laquan Treadwell do it over the past uh, the past three weeks here. And so, if you know, if he's going to continue that trend, he might be a good pickup, give you a good ten points at your at your flex option this week. So, yeah, that's my that's my uh, fantasy waiver wire pickup of the week. You guys heard Matt take the Texans. I agree, though. I, like, even though I'm I'm you know I'm uh, on the Laquan Treadwell bandwagon, I definitely think that the Texans should be favored in that game, but I don't know why they are, why they're not. So yeah, that will wrap up the entirety of our episode. Now that we're done with our last little segment there. And um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. I will not be, I, I won't be on the podcast for the next probably um, week and a half because I won't be in town. And so like Matt said, he'll probably be doing a solo episode here in the coming days pretty soon before this weekend. And then he'll probably come out with another run on Tuesday um, on time, hopefully um, yeah, next week. And then I should be back on, on um, Christmas day. If, if we do on Christmas day, we probably will end up doing it because we have nothing really to do. Um, and so, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. We, we should, we, we will have a little Christmas day special, probably a holiday segment if we get to one that day. So yeah, if you guys enjoyed Make sure to share with your friends. And if you guys are still listening, we love you. And um, we'll see you next time.